Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Giants season ended a week ago in Philadelphia. Now they look to the offseason and look to see how they can not only get back to that point, but maybe try to even improve upon it. And there's a lot of work to do, that's for sure. Joining us next is our good pal. You know him as the guy who covers the Giants for ESPN. He's with us all the way through the season. It's great to have him on again. It's our good buddy, Jordan Renan. Have you thought about what it's going to be like for you this weekend not having a game to cover? Absolutely. I mean, you don't think I have plans. I'm going to have my feet up. Friends come over, you know, watch games, have some uh, nice beverages. I mean, it's a good chance. Is that what's happening? Is at the at the palatial estate you're going to be hosting a a wide group of friends to watch football and do all these other things? Narrow group of friends, let's let's say that it's going to be a smaller (laughs) defined group. But yeah, absolutely. And then it's an excuse where like, you know, I get I get off and the wife can take care of the kids and I'm I get to sit there and watch football. Nice. After putting in the hard work all throughout the football season, you get to enjoy the spoils. Yeah. Well, good for you. you hey, Dan, it. let me say this. Let me yeah. say this. Winning is good for business, right? Like, I was yeah. on TV probably more the, the, the previous three weeks than I was all of last season. Uh, but at the same time, like, two playoff games, you know, middle of January, it's just, you know, it's just, it might have been time. It might have been. That was a good run. It was a good run. Time to, probably time to end. Flight to San Francisco would have been a tough trip. Oof. It would have been, it would have been yeah, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a great week. Yeah, I don't blame you. But at least last week was driving distance for you down to Philadelphia up down the turnpike and back. Yeah, and, yeah and, and and now here we are. Um now I, I know I had my you story know the written by halftime. I had the story written by <laughs> halftime, Dan. <laughs> halftime. Hey, I think you could have did it in the first quarter after the first drive. <laughs> Um, see, you know, the answer to this question. I know the answer to this question. Um, the giants probably knew the answer to this question, but maybe there were some fans out there that needed convincing. So I'll ask it to you this way. Do you think the lopsided manner in which that game played out on Saturday night was almost good in a way because it kind of let people know, boy, despite the record, giants still have a way to go to close the gap between where they are and the true contenders in the NFC. Absolutely. I, I, do, I do think that because, I mean, when, we, when you go into that game, you heard people talking about this is 2007. I mean, there was a lot of people that were saying that. Like, this, this, this has the feel of 2007. No, no, they don't have the talent of 2007, right? I mean, that team had established veterans. They had made the playoffs before. And I think – Look, I, I don't think the Giants needed it because if you look at Joe Shane, I think he's very realistic. Think about the trade deadline for a second, Dan, right? The Giants, who were pretty much going to make the playoffs at that point, you know that. They would have mm-hmm. to just probably win a couple more games, which is really all they did. Uh, but he traded for nobody. He, he got rid of a talented player. He is very realistic about what this roster is. He sat, he sat up there after the season. 
and was asked, does, does, did that kind of show you again that there's a big gap? Like, is there a big gap between you and someone? The, the question was San Francisco. He said, I don't really know. I haven't dug deep into San Francisco, but Philadelphia, yes, there is. And so I think it's a good, like, sort of, it was a good sort of reality check that was kind of needed um, to give everyone an idea of what the Giants really need to do this offseason and moving forward. And the problem here, Dan, is that Philadelphia is that good, right? They have mm-hmm. first-round picks, including a top-ten pick. Their quarterback is super young. Like, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, da- Dallas Goddard. I mean, a lot of these guys on defense, this pass rushers, they're all young. I mean, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So, you're going to have to – that's going to be the measuring stick for a while here probably. No, you're right about that, and I just mentioned it a couple of minutes ago by comparison like the Rams last year. You know, the Rams end up winning the Super Bowl, but that was kind of a one-shot deal. You knew it. They were going all in with the gray beards, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh, well, we took a chance. Not the case with a team like Philadelphia. Like you said, they are stacked, and they're going to be around here for a while. And, you know, forget about just Philadelphia. I love the fact that I can't remember if it was Shane or Dayball who said earlier this week that, hey, we only won one game this year against our division. So if you want to just narrow yeah, it down to James the teams are going to be one, in competition. One. Yeah, one, five, and one. So, I mean, think about you. You got to deal with your division first before you worry about the rest of the conference. And that record alone shows you that there's still work to be done here. Yeah, I mean, but we, like, like you said, this is a, you knew the answer. I knew the answer. If you look at the rosters of the Giants in Philadelphia, forget about it. Even the Giants in Dallas, forget about it. Like Dallas is just a way more talented overall team roster-wise. So I think he knows that, especially depth-wise. I wouldn't be surprised. The, the way I see, and from what I've heard from Joe Shane since he's taken over, is that the way this team is going to be built is through the draft with free agent supplementing you know, the draft, meaning you know, one or two significant moves each offseason free agency, and then build through the draft and build. You know, I, they, they're going to have a lot of money but I wouldn't expect them to go try and fill all these holes at once. Like wide receiver is mm-hmm. going to be a tough spot. You know, it's going to be a tough spot to fill. We're talking about like a, you know, a really high end top number one receiver. This isn't the year in free agency where you're going to get a top receiver. No. You're just not like maybe he could be, we'll see how inventive he is. If maybe he can, can find a deal out there for like, you know, the Steph Diggs or the AJ Brown, who's unhappy somewhere, but, uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is probably on the wrong end of that, right? He's probably Yeah, bring Steph Diggs in here. Right? He's unhappy, apparently, right? He knows Dayball. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I mean, hey, what the heck? He certainly helped them, with, you know, win games. So, uh, you know, the, the job of the head coach is to kind of deal with that. So let them deal with it. But, no, like they might be like a, still a multi-year process to fill out all the holes on this roster. I mean, that's the reality of it. All right, they made it pretty clear. We're talking with Jordan Renan here on 98.7. They made it pretty clear that Daniel Jones is going to be back. Question is, to what degree? Is it going to be franchise? Is it going to be a contract? Obviously, and I agree with you, you got to get him some weapons. If you want to see the best of Daniel Jones, you have to get him some weapons so we could take his game to another level. What do you think, and it's still very early on, do you think they work out a multi-year deal, or do you think that ends up being the franchise tag? How can you see numbers playing out here with what you think Jones is going to get? I think it's pretty straightforward because the way that agents and teams negotiate these things, they work off the franchise tag, right? The Giants said they're going to bring him back. I mean, Joe right. Shane actually slipped at one. He slipped at one point and was like, <laughs> right. you know, we're we're going to have Daniel. You know, Daniel, we're happy to have Daniel back. You know, so 
he's going to be back in some shape or form. It's just a matter of how. Now, I think they'll be able to come to some sort of long-term deal where the franchise tag is based on the $220 million cap. It's going to be right around here. So the, the franchise tag is right around $32 million. Mm-hmm. Okay? So the way they negotiate is it takes – you know, Daniel Jones could always say, hey, well, you offer me a crappy deal. Just franchise tag me, $32 million right off the cuff. But then that will count directly against the salary cap, and then the Giants will have less moves to make this offseason. So the likelihood is they come to a long-term deal, and what the agents and the teams do, they say, all right, the franchise tag, If you, you could, the, the player can say franchise tag me one year, you don't offer me a good deal again, you franchise tag me again, like the Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. route, right? So the two years of the franchise tag is 32 and 38 million, 70 million. The average of that is 35 million. That's where the team says that's the ceiling for a deal. The player says that's the floor. And you negotiate off there. So to me, it'll be right around there, probably, you know, 35, 36, 38 million, uh, some sort of long-term deal. This way, they can get other players around Daniel Jones and see what he he's got. Now, the reality is most deals in the NFL are two-year deals, and teams can get it out of them after two years. So I know people are like, we can't sign him for four or five years. These are just mechanisms for deals so you can stretch the money out and uh you know spread the money out and get more people on your roster so to me it'll be a long-term deal likelihood 35 to 38 million dollars probably a touch under 40 and we go from there and then you can then one if you could do that quickly which i think is the goal to try and get it done fairly quickly then you have the franchise tag to use on saquon barkley where one year 10 million for saquon barkley hey that's pretty good for the team won't be good for Saquon Barkley. He'll hate no. that. But that's a good option for the team to work off right there. Well, and he even said, that, you know, it would be great to have that long-term security. But, again, in the NFL, I, I laugh when guys say the long-term security. Like, what is long-term security? I mean, you, you could be gone in a year. You could be gone in two years. It doesn't matter in the NFL. Yeah. But yeah. do you think that's the route for Saquon? Is he just going to end up – now, he's going to have to agree to it. He's going to have to sign it. But do you think that that's probably the, the Saquon direction, just franchise tag one year and see where this thing goes? Uh, I think they're going to, he, he would like it. And I think they're going to try to get a long-term deal done that works for both parties, but he's going to find out real quick that the leverage might disappear there quickly. Once that franchise tag is available, because, uh, you know, the Giants, are like, no, 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 we'd rather just franchise tag you. You know, we're not going to sign you for $14 million a year. We'd rather just franchise tag you for 10 million, you know, and, and, and what's his options at that point? Well, and the Nothing. thing about Saquon is this, and we're, yeah, the thing about Saquon, you know, when we say it takes two to tango, you look at the rest of this roster. Like, we'll get into Leonard Williams here in a second, but you've got other guys, whether it be Dexter Lawrence, Xavier McKinney, they're entering the final year of their rookie deals. They're going to have to be taken care of here pretty soon. So I'm sure they're looking at this thing big picture. Now, with Saquon Jordan, the thing that he has going for him, he's still only, what, 26 or he's going to be 26? So it's not like he's, like, 30 and he's over the hill for a running back. So yeah, he'll there be is 26 next week. Yeah, so, I mean, he's st- and he proved this year, he's still got some football left, but you have these other areas of the team that are going to have to be taken care of that I think are, you know, the left tackle, for example, Dexter Lawrence. Like, these guys are more important than a running back, even somebody of Saquon's caliber. Absolutely. I think that's the dilemma. And everyone's like, well, he's their best weapon. Well, we know he's their best weapon. But that's because they don't have any other weapons. Right. Right. But you, we, we've gone over this many times before. You could fill the running back spot. Uh, relatively easy in the NFL. It's a spot where teams 
fill it all the time in the middle rounds of the draft. And, you know, it, it's just they don't want to put the resources into it. And that hurts Saquon's case. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. Now, how much is it, does it count for him being the leader of this team? How much does it count and how much do the Giants value him, uh, you know, being their best offensive player, right, the fact that they don't have a ton around him? I think that's ultimately going to determine, you know, what they're willing to put into that position because it's not a position that a lot of teams generally want to invest in. I mean, bank on it right now. Miles Sanders will be gone after next year, you know, mm-hmm. or with the, with, the, with the Eagles. They're not going to invest in that position. Uh, now the Giants are in a little different situation, but uh, we're going to find out real quick what Joe Shane thinks of that position and how much he really wants to invest in. The fact that they made an offer, and I heard it was a pretty substantial offer at the bye week, makes me think that they do, like, they, that he will be back and they actually will probably invest in him long term. Well, then you look at the rest of the roster, and then that brings me to somebody like Leonard Williams, who's due to make 18. The cap hit is 32. Now, you could take the approach like you brought up a little while ago to where you could rip up the deal, sign him to like a short-term extension, and then you spread that signing bonus money out over the next couple of years to minimize the cap hit for 23. But if you're Leonard Williams, are you going to want to take a haircut potentially? Yeah, no, the answer is no. He won't want to do that. Uh, You know, he would get paid on the open market by somebody if they did get let go. And we've seen so far he's only – He's taken the Giants for every penny, or his agent at least, uh, has been, you know, every penny that they could because Dave Gettleman did the whole, you know, thing backwards. He did the whole dance backwards by trading for a guy right before he was about to hit for free agency. So uh, it's hard for me to see him taking less money, but I think the likelihood is you redo a deal and you're able to get the, you know, the number of money he is guaranteed up, but yet his number that he's on the cap is down so there are ways to do that and i I think that's the likely solution because that's the strength of the team you don't want to take away from the strength of the team they're already extremely thin at the defensive line position i think that'll be a big goal this offseason is to get uh to add more depth at that position so i don't think getting rid of him is going to be near the top of their list they save 12 mil if they cut him, but the dead money is 20. So that's still pretty sizable here. They got about 50-something million right now projected in terms of cap space. What do you think is going to be the number one area that they look to target come free agency? I mean, we talk about the skill position. You know, you got a couple of offensive yeah. linemen that could be gone. I mean, are those the areas that you think stand out? I think, yeah, some kind of weapon. And, uh, you know, you want to say receiver, but I'm not going to say- specifically just say receiver like if it's a tight end like that's a tight end is actually proven look at the tight ends right now tight end has proven to be a great position to invest in because the top tight ends don't get paid anywhere near as much as the top wide receivers and if he's your number one receiver which in the case of like san francisco has kittle right mm-hmm. the uh the eagles have got her for a while the, you know they, granted they got aj brown this year uh and uh Obviously, Travis Kelsey. I mean, it's a great look at the teams, and it's it, and if you look over the years, it's a great investment if you can have like your number one receiver or one of your top receivers being a tight end. So I think tight end or wide receivers at the top of the list. Uh, defensive line depth uh, is at the top of the list, and inside linebacker is a possession a yeah, position yeah. that they're going to address. Uh, and I I wouldn't be surprised to see them 
invest in it in free agency. And then I got like wide receiver, by the way, when I say that, I expect them to invest in wide receiver in free agency and the draft. And hopefully you get Wandale Robinson back and he could stay healthy and play a full season for yeah. you because some of these guys, you know, that you drafted, you just didn't get a long enough look at him because of injuries and especially a guy like that who was a second-round pick. And, you know, you don't know how much he could have helped this team down the stretch, but that is almost like a bonus extra kind of high draft pick for you when you come into next season here because you didn't really get that long of a look at him. We'll find out. Anyway, uh, thanks for a couple of minutes. Go enjoy that weekend. Enjoy the company tomorrow and all the games and whatnot, and I'm sure we'll be catching up here real soon once we get some news and rumors and that sort of thing. Sounds good, man. Yeah, hey, I'm uh, happy for you. Congrats. You got rid of, You finally pushed Dave out of the spot, and uh, I'm happy to uh, you know listen every Saturday morning. I, well, I, I mean – and we're going to be, you know, the, the Rangers were nice enough to go on an all-star break, so we get our old show back here at 7 o'clock during the week for a few nights this week, too. How about that? There you go. Look, everything's turning up Dan, 2026. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it, buddy. They should, clip, they should clip that for you right there, by the way, and uh, use that very often. Harvey, get on it. Harvey's on it, and we're going to have that. <laughs> That'll be a staple. Thanks to you, as always. All right, have fun, Dan. All right, buddy. Be good. There's Jordan Renan, covers the Giants for ESPN. Yeah, everything's coming up grass in 2023. That's going to be our slogan for, uh, for the remainder of the calendar year. And we got a lot of the calendar left, which is a good thing. By the way, uh, you know, Jordan said some interesting things here. I got some thoughts here on the Giants on, on a couple of these things. Want to hear from you as well at 800-919-3776. We'll also get into the Mets, too, before the show is over because they make pretty important signing yesterday, too, which has kind of flown under the radar, surprisingly enough. Dan Gross' show till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks to Jordan for hopping on. He's been great with us all season long. He really has. And look, I mean, the NFL, you know how the thing rolls, that there's always going to be news. There's always going to be rumors. You know, and the Giants are also maybe going to have to deal with replacing a coordinator or two, depending on how these vacancies fill out with the head coaches that are still open around the league. Uh, Frank Wright got the Carolina job, but there's still some openings out there. You don't know if one is going to be, you know, Wink Martindale or Mike Kafka. You know, they got interviews and good for them. When you have good seasons, you tend to get attention. So, you know, like I said earlier in the show about when the Jets hired Nathaniel Hackett, if, if the guy's ever going to become a head coach again, I mean, 
that benefits the Jets because the only way a guy like Nathaniel Hackett's going to be getting head coaching interviews moving forward is if the team does really well, specifically offensively, now that he's going to be in charge, diagramming the place. But the Giants, look, Giants got some work to do. I'm not trying to throw cold water on what they accomplished this year because I, I all season – I think I made it pretty clear how great of a story the Giants were and the job that Brian Dayball did. And he should be the coach of the year when those awards are given out in a couple of weeks at the Super Bowl, right? He, he should be the guy. But if you needed any sort of convincing, that game last week in Philadelphia should have told you everything you needed to know that they still had some work to do. They played the ideal opponent in the first round of the playoffs in Minnesota, a team that was extremely beatable, Right. If they had to go to San Francisco in week one, they're not winning a playoff game. It would have been done pretty early. You wouldn't have even had that success. And then maybe some people are spinning a different sort of tale about what the Giants accomplished this season. And if you look at what's ahead next year, you could upgrade the roster. You could bring in more talent, skill positions like we're talking about. And there's a realistic possibility, given the way the league is, you might actually take a step back next season. To where you don't finish with a winning record. Even if you have maybe on paper a better talent base. Because number one, you're not going to take anybody by surprise. You're going to have a little bit of a target on your back next year. And you can't expect guys that played at a certain level, let's say this season, to go out there next year and do the same exact thing. That's not the way this thing works. Right? That's why if you're a player, whether it's Daniel Jones or somebody else who had a really, really good season, you want to cash in. Because you don't know if you're ever going to reach this level of productivity. And the thing about the quarterback, and look, I came around on Daniel Jones this year, right? He earned my trust. He's a guy that, if I'm the Giants, he's your quarterback. But to sit here and suggest that he's a guy that could go out there and win you a championship with little help around him, no, I don't believe that. And I think that that's pretty evident. You know, for all the good that he did this year, Guy still only threw 15 touchdowns in 16 games. You know, that, that, this is the NFL in 2023 where it's a passing league, an offensive league. Like, you're still supposed to be able to put up more production than that. So that's where the Giants have to be a little bit careful here. And, you know, that's why Joe Shane said it several times in the press conference that they had earlier in the week, you know, when he kept referencing the business side of things. You're damn right it's a business because the player is going to want to take as much as he possibly can get, and the team is going to want to give him a contract that, yes, it's fair, and it satisfies both parties, but they're not going to overpay. They're not going to, like, throw in an extra, you know, couple of bucks just because, oh, you were a good soldier or, oh, you were a good employee. You know, you're not going to get the bonus. at the. That's not how this works. This is big money, big business, professional sports. And the Giants, you know, I'm sure that they have an understanding of what they feel that Daniel Jones is worth. You know, we mentioned Josh Allen earlier in the show. I mean, look at Josh Allen this past year with the Bills. He was good. He wasn't great. Right? Wasn't as good as he's been last year, for example. And how much of that is Brian Dayball not being there? So how much of a byproduct is Daniel Jones of just having Brian Dayball being a part of the Giants this season and the great work that he does with quarterbacks? I think that that's a distinct possibility, and I think that the Giants are cognizant of that. Now, they hope that, that Brian Dayball's there for the next 10, 15 years. That would be great. 
But if you really want to bring out the best of the quarterback, you're going to have to go out and surround him with some weapons. And that doesn't come cheap, which means there's tough decisions to make in other areas. That's why I brought up Leonard Williams. I mean, you know, Leonard Williams is a good player. He is, but, you know, Leonard Williams was on that field on Saturday night in Philadelphia when the Eagles went up and down the field on the Giants. And they had no answers when it came to stopping the run. So you're not just going to be able to say, oh, yeah, here, hey, you know what, Leonard, you're a good guy, good team guy, good player. You like it here. Here's a blank check. Can't do it. Because that might cost you the ability to bring in somebody else, either from the outside or being able to retain a guy who's important on your own team. You know, Dexter Lawrence was an all-pro this year. Xavier McKinney, you saw how much his absence was felt when he was finally able to come back there. Final year of their rookie deals. Andrew Thomas, what's it going to cost to keep him a couple of years down the road when you start to have to give a contract to your left tackle who's elevated himself to an all-pro level? These are the difficult decisions you have to make when you're building a championship-caliber football team. You know, you'd love to be able to just pay everybody, but that's not the way this thing works. And now you don't have the quarterback anymore. See, that's why you look at the last few years for the Giants, for example, in the Dave Gettleman years as to why it was one big mess. Because you had an opportunity where you had your quarterback on a rookie contract making no money by comparison to what the top quarterbacks make in the NFL. And it's going to be a far cry from what somebody like Daniel Jones is going to get next year. When they work out that contract. I mean, it's not going to be at Patrick Mahomes level, but it's still going to be a hell of a bump up in pay because there's that trickle-down effect to what the other positions on your roster. Ryan's in Pearl River. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ryan, good morning. How are you? All right. And um, Giants, Jets, it's always something that's got to be fine-tuned on both of those teams. Uh, to me, I look at the Giants. Uh, listen, you got to pay the quarterback, and you got a cap, and you got and you got uh, you got leverage with franchise the guy, your contracts. But still, you got to bring in more good players, more offensive players, and some more on the defense they need. Um, the Jets, uh, listen, everybody's talking about Aaron Rodgers. All right, bring in Aaron Rodgers. Um, but the thing is, with this, is you got to protect him with the offensive line. You brought in the new. Um, offensive coordinator, but I think Aaron could walk up to that at line of scrimmage. He could read the defense, and he could do what he has to do up there. There's no offensive coordinator on par with him. Now with the 49ers and the Eagles, I'm looking at it this way. I mean, everybody breaks down the game into micro criticisms. I look at it this way. Like one player, Nick Bowser. If Nick Bowser looks like he's in a steel cage match with the Eagle offensive line, and he's throwing that offensive line all over the place, game, set, match, over, 49ers are going to uh, into Arizona, fill it up and point it toward Arizona. And now the other game, uh, look, everybody plays sports here. Who, who recovers in three days from a sprained ankle? Nobody does. So I think he's going to be hampered, Mahomes, and it's going to be a problem. The Bengal defensive line will have an easier, easier time than normal getting to him. And I think Joe Burrow, it's a cliche, but cliches usually are sometimes are true. This guy is getting better and better every game he plays, and he's got another game tomorrow. He's going to look even better. So it'll be a Bengal 49er uh, World Series, Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. And Purdy, we'll call listen, he's got offensive weapons around him. Go ahead. All right, so there you go. You like, a, you, you like Bengals 49ers Act 3 for Ryan and Paul River. I don't like – if you're asking me what matchup do I want to see – 
I don't want another Bengals 49ers Super Bowl because I've seen it. Well, I, I wasn't around for the first one, but we've seen it twice before. My rule of thumb is always this. If it ain't my team in it, if I don't have a dog in the fight when it comes to the Super Bowl, just from like a historical perspective with football, I want to see a new Super Bowl. And we've gotten Bengals Steelers twice before, right? Like when we sit down next weekend or whatever and we watch the NFL Network marathon of all the Super Bowl highlights that they show on a loop there, the marathon for a couple of days, which I think is great. Like we already have two episodes of Bengals 49ers. Give me a new one. Right? There hasn't been Bengals-Eagles. Kansas City-Eagles we've never had. We've had Kansas City-San Francisco. So as long as the Eagles win, you're guaranteed a new Super Bowl. This is what it comes down to. Because Philadelphia has played the Raiders, they've played the Patriots, and they've played the Patriots. <laughs> so... It's going to be a new Super Bowl matchup as far as uh, as long as Philadelphia gets a job. World Series, Super Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I, I think we'll stick to Super Bowl. That seems to be working pretty good. I, I know that there is some liberties that you can't take with Super Bowl, you know, for you know, marketing and, and so on and so forth. But for the purpose of this show, I think we could say Super Bowl. It's okay. We're not advertising it. We're just talking about it in generality. Uh, 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We come back. Hey, how about the Mets? Keeping one of their own, but what does this mean for another important player that they got to keep around? Dan Gross' show till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets yesterday make a nice little signing, kind of surprising, at least that it came about this quickly here, and that is with Jeff McNeil keeping him around. Four-year extension, $50 million, which is, look, it's a nice contract if you're the Mets, and we know how the type of money that Steve Cohen is willing to shell out. So to be able to keep a guy like McNeil around, and when you're talking about $12.5 million per, that's pretty damn good. 
They buy out the first two years of his free agency, and it's a little bit of security, too, for McNeil in, in the fact that if he would have played this thing out, see, McNeil is not as young as maybe some people think he is because he really hasn't been up in the big leagues and been a part of the Mets for a while here. But, you know, McNeil's going to be 31 years old in a couple of months. So if he would have played this thing out and just taken it to free agency after a couple of years, he would have been a 33-year-old hitting the market for the first time. And I don't know if he would have cashed in, you know, to the extent that a lot of guys who are as productive as he is in terms of, you know, hitting 300, batting title, all-stars, that type of stuff, because the rest of baseball might have looked at him and said, oh, well, you know, 33 years old, he might be starting to hit the downslope of his career, and he might have taken a little bit of a penalty for that here. So it's kind of a win-win on both sides here, and it's good to keep McNeil around. The other guy that the Mets have to take care of, certainly, is Pete Alonzo, because Alonzo, just like McNeil, has two, or McNeil doesn't anymore, of course, but McNeil had two more years of control before he would have been a free agent, and the same thing with Alonzo. Now, Alonzo's going to make a heck of a lot more than what McNeil signed up for if he continues at the pace that he's been on here over the last couple of years, when you're talking about the power numbers and the productivity. I mean, Alonzo, if he continues at this rate, I mean, he might get the richest contract of any position player in Mets history. You know, that's that's the rate at which we're going here. And if you look around baseball and if you see the economics as to what some of these guys are getting, I mean, a guy with power and the production, first baseman, homegrown guy, popular play. I mean, he checks every single box that you could talk about here. So, you know, they're going to have to save up. And the question becomes, are the Mets going to be able to sign Alonzo before he gets the free agency? Or is he going to roll the dice, bet on himself, a la what Aaron Judge did, and think that, yeah, you know what, I, I, I'm going to let the rest of baseball get in on the bidding. And I'm not just going to restrict it to Steve Cohen, even though that he's the richest owner and he's got more money than anybody else in the sport. So a little bit tricky. I mean, it's not something you necessarily have to lose sleep over right now if you're a Met fan, but that day is coming down the road. And look, I think it's a win-win that if Pete Alonso decides to go to free agency and if he's going to open himself up to the rest of baseball to bid for his services, then that's a win-win for the Mets because that means that he's had good enough seasons over the next couple of years to justify even taking those measures and those steps. So we'll see how it plays out here, but the Mets keep McNeil around, and then the next box to check is going to be Alonso down the road. But get through this season first before you worry about those other type of things. Real quick on the Hall of Fame, and, and I know that to some people, they may not care about this stuff. Other people, they do prioritize it. But somebody like myself who, you know, does a fair amount of baseball stuff, um, the Hall of Fame is a big topic of conversation every year, you know, on the baseball calendar. Scott Rowland getting into the Hall of Fame as being the only guy on the writer's ballot, it's not all that surprising because if you followed along over the last couple of years with the Hall of Fame, and, and, and look, it's an it is a flawed process, right? It's completely subjective. It's not fair the way that it's done. I just don't understand for the life of me how somebody like Scott Rowland, and if you follow his trajectory with the Hall of Fame voters since he first appeared on the ballot six years ago, when he first showed up on the ballot in 2018, he got 10% of the vote. Right. And therein lies the problem as to how this whole process plays out year in and year out. 
In 2018, only 10% of the writers thought that he was a Hall of Famer. So fast forward to 2023, and now he gets the three-quarters majority, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. Explain to me what changed in those six years. Did Scott Rowland go out there and hit more home runs? Did Scott Rowland go out there and win more gold gloves? Did Scott Rowland go out there and win more championships in the last five, six years to where the, the voters, when they got the ballot, it said, oh, wow, he did so much, you know, in 2020 and in 2021 to now I got to check the box for him that he's a Hall of Famer. It's, that's why this thing drives you crazy. And some people kind of just, you know, don't even waste an extra second thinking about it. Because after all, right, it's just a museum. It's a museum where they hang plaques on the wall. Some people may care. Some people never, may never even go to Cooperstown and visit the Hall of Fame. Who cares? But if you talk about the history of the game and you respect that and you honor the tradition and that sort of thing, it's just like how we arrive at this process is just mind-numbing to me. There's got to be a better way. Like, we've come so far as a society. There's got to be a better way to decide who's Hall of Fame worthy and who isn't. And the one that I just continually, like, pound the table for each and every year, at least over the last decade, as to how little support that he receives is somebody like Jeff Kent. And Jeff Kent is now off the writer's ballot. That if he's going to be in the Hall of Fame, it's going to have to be on a veterans committee. Jeff Kent's arguably the greatest hitting second baseman in the history of baseball. And the guy only got 46% of the vote in his last year on the ballot. 46% of the vote. Really? I, I mean, what are we doing? 46%. And I understand, you know, a lot of this, too, is a popularity contest. Jeff Kent was a prickly guy. Jeff Kent maybe wasn't always great to the writers and the guys who cast these votes. And so when they think down the road, it's like, hmm, what did I think of Jeff Kent? Oh, uh, you know... Wasn't really the nicest guy in the world. And then they find reasons to not vote for you. Wasn't the greatest guy in the world. Oh, let me go on baseball reference. Oh, let me dig up the defensive metrics. Oh, defensive metrics don't play very well, you know, for a second baseman compared to some others. Oh, you know, I'm like, he's not going to get my vote. But how is a guy like Jeff Kent not in the Hall of Fame and a guy like Scott Rowland is in the Hall of Fame? I, I mean, Jeff Kent was a better offensive player than Scott Rowland. So if we're going to put too much consideration into the defense, you can't have one without the other. It, 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 it's, it's ludicrous to me. You know? Andrew Jones still can't get in the Hall of Fame. Andrew Jones, all right, if we're going to prioritize defense like we do for Scott Rowland, you mean to tell me that during his era there was a better defensive center fielder than Andrew Jones? Really? There was? Andrew Jones hit over 400 home runs. Andrew Jones was a top player. For almost a decade. I know that he hung around for a long time and maybe the numbers kind of waned there at the end. But you mean to tell me you watched Andrew Jones' career and you're going to say that Scott Rowland is a more worthy Hall of Famer? Or, I mean, you're meaning to tell me that if Scott Rowland's in the Hall of Fame, that Andrew Jones doesn't deserve to go in right there alongside with him when they've both been on the ballot for the same amount of years? It's silly. You know, and then the other guy was going to be Carlos Beltran, his first time on the ballot. How were the writers going to penalize him for his role in the sign-stealing scandal with the Houston Astros in 2017? Carlos Beltran checks every box you need to check from a number standpoint and a production standpoint. He should be a Hall of Famer. If you value him as a center fielder and hold his career and his production by some of the other guys who are in the Hall of Fame as center fielders, he's got the eighth highest war, wins above replacement, of any center fielder in the history of baseball, how is he not a Hall of Famer? Well, they looked at 2017, and they held that against him because Carlos Beltran only got 46% of the vote. He should be in. I think he will get in. 
question is going to be, is he going to make up enough ground to get in there in his second year on the ballot? Billy Wagner's trending in the right direction. We saw Billy Wagner here. Billy Wagner's the greatest left-handed closer in the history of baseball. I know that he may be left a little to be desired in the postseason, but so did Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman's in the Hall of Fame. If you want to nail it down and examine numbers in terms of dominance, strikeouts, ERAs, all those things, Billy Wagner, pound for pound, was more dominant than Trevor Hoffman was. But Hoffman had the longevity, had more saves. Saves are a flawed number, boys and girls. Okay? It's a flawed statistic. Billy Wagner should be in the Hall of Fame. And hopefully he gets there next year. I think he will. He's trending in the right direction. Some final thoughts when we return. Dan Gross' show. We roll to the top. Then it's Anita right here on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right into pregame. Big one tonight between the Knicks, between the Nets. Julius Randle is a second coming off. I don't know what. Bing bong. They're going to see a lot of each other, by the way. They're going to play like three times, essentially, over the next month. They play tonight. They play in two weeks at Madison Square Garden. And then they're going to play on March the 1st at MSG. This is a game the Knicks should win. You know, every time, like, you want to believe, every time that you think, like, this is it, right, they disappoint you. And then they're going to get blitzed or something like that. No, this is a game the Knicks should win, right? I mean, that that win on Thursday night might have been the best win of the season, considering who was against, where the game was played. Hell, even in overtime, they fell behind quickly by what? In in, in OT. And for them to come back and get that game, that was huge. No Mitchell Robinson against that team. But the Knicks have been such a streaky bunch since, like, the beginning of December. It's like, you know, they had that eight-game winning streak, then they lost five in a row, then they won four in a row, you know, then they won six out of seven, then they lost four in a row. It's like there's no middle ground. It's like you win a bunch of games, you lose a bunch of games. Start to get some consistency here. That's why, like, win another game. And the thing that you can't figure out is they struggled against that inferior part of the schedule, you know, a a week or so ago. And now the competition steps up and their game steps up. So what are the Knicks? One of these teams now playing to the level of their competition? Hopefully, hopefully, you know, because we played the Omar clip there, which was funny. Hopefully Julius Randle, you know, in a couple of days does get rewarded here for a trip to the All-Star game. Because if he's not deserving, then I don't know what the hell an All-Star is. He's having a better season than he did a couple of years ago when he did make the All-Star team. He's been better. I know maybe he isn't shooting the three as well. 
but he has just been absolutely outstanding. I mean, he's going to have to compete. You know, the Siakams of the world, the Jimmy Butler. I'm talking about like the the guys like the forwards. Butler, Siakam. You probably throw Bam Adebayo's name into the mix. You know, for one of those couple of spots. But then you got Brunson. You know, Brunson is All Star worthy. But are the Knicks going to get two guys? I mean, because he's got so much talent in the Eastern Conference. You know, Trey Young's got to make the all-star team. Harden's probably going to get consideration. DeMar DeRozan. I know it's a lot. We'll see. Uh, thanks to Jordan Renan. Thanks to Julian. And thanks to Harvey. I'm back with you tomorrow morning at 11. Getting you set for Championship Sunday. Anita's next. Dan Gross is saying enjoy your Saturday, everybody, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Be it proclaimed.